Not going to get any better. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Taco <laughs> Tuesday. You caught us bitching in the backstage. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. It is our third episode, and tonight we are celebrating Pride and Juneteenth, which whoop, whoop, is now a national motherfucking holiday. Yes. So we have some awesome special guests with us tonight. Um, and you know we like to have the show fun and taco-ish. Um, we're probably going to do a little serious tonight, though, because it has to be done. But first, I want to introduce ourselves so you know why you're listening to us, besides the fact that we're loud. <laughs> My name is Melissa Mansfield Anderson, and I'm Lipstick CEO, and I work with women entrepreneurs, and I help them take their story and bundle it up into some big fat package that they can make money with. That's my short and sweet. Dory, You're tell awesome. us about you. <laughs> <laughs> I am Dory O'Neill. I am the, the Lotus. I own the real Dory O. And what I do is I'm a recovery coach. I help women that have, that have, God, I can't talk tonight. What is wrong? <laughs> Water? That, are that are recovering from addictions. I myself struggled with addiction. And I knew that when I got sober, it was like I got sober for this. So what I help people do is not only after they've survived, show them how to thrive. That's awesome. What you do is so, so, so important. Thank We're you. We're taking a moment here real quick to share our video. So that way. If anybody thinks they're going to miss it, they're not. We're just going to get all <laughs> in that. So, it's what's important. All right. So we always have a third host. What would that be? Our tri-host? It's our tri-host, right? And tonight it is Taco Vegetariano. Mm -hmm. So we did vegetarian tacos tonight. Um, here's mine. You can see. Woo. That looks really good. I, I did street tacos again, but I did a corn shell. Nice. Super yum. What's yours looking like? So mine flattened out a little bit. Um, I used the hard shells tonight. And when yeah. I did it, just kind of cracked open. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I had never done um, a taco with the pickled red cabbage before. And you, when we were talking about the recipe and you said that, now I'm addicted. Now, oh, my God. So I, didn't I want that shit on everything. <laughs> super, super jealous. I wanted pickled onion and pickled cabbage. I couldn't find it at the store ah. and I was too busy to make it. So I have to put it on my list. I will send um, it in the next care package to you when I send awesome. it. Awesome. With those funky tortillas that you have. Yes. <laughs> With mine, um, and we did a, a sweet potato. It was like a roasted sweet potato. And uh, I made the homemade refried black beans. And I have a spice I'm going to post into the um, event after because it is amazing. I put it on everything. I was like, oh, this is the new cilantro, except mm -hmm. it has salt, so I can't use it as heavy as cilantro. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. Now, I saw that taco sauce from like a, I was at a um, an event and they have this taco sauce and it's amazing too, but I, I can't wait to try yours. See, so we have this thing where we're like addicted to food. It's all good. <laughs> One addiction for another. It's okay though. This one's okay because we we make good choices. I was going to say <laughs> eating donuts never made me drive naked down the road. Right. <laughs> at all. So I want to get on to the meat of the topic since the tacos are vegetarian. <laughs> Such a jackass. Almost painful. So I want to talk about how Pride started. Um, Pride started 
uh, in a hot summer night in Greenwich Village, uh, there was a raid uh, on the Stonewall Inn, arresting patrons and forcing them into waiting police vehicles. So a nearby crowd had gotten restless and eventually someone started whipping onlookers into fighting back. So it became an aggressive street confrontation and continued over the next few nights. So following the Stonewall riots, now I wanna interject real quick here. When I did the research on this, there were actually other situations, but it's just, this is the one that's the most memorable. Um, so following the riots, organizers wanted to build on that momentum. So what they did in the spirit of resistance is the next year, they organized a march to Central Park and they adopted the theme of gay pride. And now that has turned into the month of June being pride month, which I love because it shouldn't just be one, one day, you know, we're celebrating a huge chunk of the population. Um, I'm really excited that Casey is with us tonight. She has helped me understand a lot of things in private conversations in the past. So without further ado, I'm going to bring her up um, and we're going to hit her with some questions. Hello. Hello. How are oh you? Oh my gosh, doing? your tacos look amazing. And as sort of, I think perhaps the resident vegetarian, but in in this group right now, I don't know. Is anybody else a vegetarian? No. no. <laughs> See, I also like to call myself a vegetarian. So a vag oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh gosh. So we have a few questions for you. Yeah. Um. What is one of the things that you wish people understood better about the community as a whole? Um, you know what? You really can't catch it. I mean, there's nothing to be afraid of um, in, in any of us who are LGBTQIA+. I really wonder often where the anger and the hatred comes from because we're just people. We're just your daughters and your sons. Um, and we're just like you and, and you can't catch it. That's it. You know, the ignorance when I was younger, it was a big thing. But, you know, it's funny is I, I, I have realized being in the South and then being up here in Maine, up here, we are so much more cultured for the community. I, I am, I don't feel like there was as warm of a presence when I was in Atlanta. It was really hard. But was really interesting not having lived, um, lived in Alaska, I've lived in New Hampshire, and I've lived in Maine. Um, and yes, I agree that there's very warm and welcoming. And whether you're uh, queer or black or any of these others, there's a long way to go. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Is there, so today's youth, I feel like, you know, I had a very long conversation with my best friend and um, we were talking about how now there's so many designations, right? You've got binary and trans and he, she, they, they're, them. Um, and I feel like, and this was just in our conversation, I feel like that that's always been it's always been, it's just there hadn't been a name for it yet. It always existed. Like, it's just that people weren't, it wasn't addressed. There wasn't um, an openness to to discuss how different you were. What is your gonna, thought on that? I was going to say, do you think that it's, it's around, that it's, 
a little more accepted today. And that's why you're, people are not afraid to speak up. People are still afraid to speak up. Um, there is no doubt about that. And, and the big inclusive and instead of the word, but right. We all, I think it sort of know that word, right. To use and instead of, but so, and yeah, it's a lot different in terms of it, in terms of us being around forever in all these different ways. Absolutely. And now there's names to give the variations and we all want to belong. People are like, well, why does it matter? You know, people who are kind of afraid, like, why does it matter? Why do you have to have a month? Why do you have to label yourself? Because, oh, it would be so much easier for me if you didn't have to be labeled. But we all want to belong to something. Right. And so having your letter in there, the LGBTQIA plus and whatever else comes along. For instance, the I is for intersex. And that's something that's biological. That's something that's the way somebody is literally born. You can be born a female with no ovaries with no uterus. You can be born a female with a shortened vaginal canal. And when you find out when you're of adolescent age and not getting your period that you have these different attributes that might be more you know, thought of as male, there's kind of a, an existential crisis, of course. And you're born that way and you are human. Uh, yeah, there's there's nothing. And, and that's something that I wanna stress. I want to stress the to that I still hear people, and again, this was more in the South than up here, with the word of choice. And this is, you're born this way. Regardless of what the external looks like, mm -hmm. it is the internal that is how you are born. Absolutely. And I think that that's still a really hard thing for people to comprehend. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we end up with issues in politics and such. And such, yes. And absolutely. such, I guess you want to safely skate over that part. <laughs> so is there a piece of wisdom that you would pass on to parents who are navigating the waters of wanting to be supportive, but not wanting to overstep or push with their children that are going through their understanding of who they are now? Yeah, so as a social worker, I, I totally love this question and I adore working with parents. Um, and I've had so many parents reach out to me over the years. Um, I think there's a huge, especially with parents of transgender youth, there's a lot of fear that my kid will never be loved. My kid will never find a partner. My kid will always be ridiculed. My kid will not ever be balanced in finding them tr their true selves because they will always be part she or part he. And it's not yours. It's not your life. And so let your kid find that go with support and know that my husband is trans and he is so loved and he is so loved by my biological children who are not biologically his and um they love him anyway and i think to just you know that we can be an example of that your child will find love and your child will find um, a balance that is better than the place where they are now if they are in hiding and unable to come out, if they're unable to talk to you as their parents, I mean, the best thing is to love them and it's totally okay. And please say, and I'm scared and I don't know. And yeah. I'm willing to like be with you. Yeah, like that. that's really good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, what is your favorite part of uh, the month of June being Pride? Is there something special that you guys do as a family? 
Um, for many years, we've we've gone to Pride down in Portland, or we've gone to Boston, um, New York, and my kids who are all teenagers now are not necessarily feeling the love like <laughs> Pride, and they're all just lovely and accepting of all of their friends with any of their genders or sexualities. But Pride Month for me is really about looking at the posts that are out there and when people put the thumbs down, the cry face, the angry faces, challenging them and trying to help educate rather than getting upset at them for not knowing. Fear comes from a place of ignorance and ignorance sounds like a really nasty word and it's not, it's just not knowing. Mm -hmm. We've had that discussion. You're actually segueing into, I've got another question for you, but you're segueing into a conversation I've had with my husband, who is our next guest. Awesome. So um, it is that piece of, that piece of ignorance is, is a big deal. And I find that is also territorial or geographical, you know? Um, so something really big happened Friday you know, and Juneteenth became a national holiday. How did that feel for you being in a community that is constantly having to fight for a, for a voice? Um, absolutely remarkable. And separate from being in, in this queer community fighting for a voice, um, the place where I am a social worker is owned by immigrants, um, owned by refugees. And so you know, all of these marginalized people and and a lot of our immigrants and refugees and asylum seekers in the area are black. And so for me, it was like this big, it, it, not a relief of finally, of finally there's a start. It feels like a tiny start that, you know, we can, we can recognize the emancipation of slaves that happened in what 1960 no eight sorry actually 1860 fucking three it happened in 1863 but it took two years for the soldiers to make their way over to galveston where it finalized everything um so yeah that that segues into part two of our celebration <laughs> um the emancipation proclamation as we were just discussing two seconds ago was signed in 1863 and it freed over three million slaves in confederate states but because of how things work and horses are slow i don't know what held it up except for the fact that probably people didn't want to lose their free labor took two years for those soldiers to make it to the shores of Galveston, Texas and say that a slavery has been abolished. So obviously big party when that happened. And then the very next year to keep going on the celebration, it became a, it became Juneteenth and it became something that was celebrated every single 19th of June. So I only live a piece of this. Um, I'm married interracially. I have a, mixed race daughter who is absolutely amazing. And as a white woman, it is it is my job, it is my job, it is Dory's job, it is every woman's job that looks like me and men too, but really it is, it, it's us that make the big change, you know? Um, it is our job to understand this as well as we can. And the best <laughs> way to do that is to hear from those that are oppressed regularly all the time. And I've told stories about what my husband's gone through, but I'm going to bring him on now so that we can hammer him with questions. <laughs> Incoming. That's Devon Diano. 
Hello. Nice to meet hey. everybody. Hi. <laughs> How are you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Awesome. So I have a couple questions for you. Um, can you describe what Juneteenth means for the Black community? Like before it became a, you know, a national holiday, what did it represent? So in all actuality, that's kind of a loaded question when you look at it, because you have to look back at how America as a whole has handled uh, Juneteenth, Juneteenth as a subject general. Because when you look at it, up until last year, 90% of people here didn't even know it was a thing in the first place. And when you have that being the issue, you also realize that that covers most minority groups, including black people in the beginning anyway. Uh, the reason why I was well-versed in a lot of stuff is my grandmother was very, very, very strict on, you're gonna know your history and everything else happening so that this type of stuff never can happen again. However, I realized that I'm in the minority of things. So when I look at the holiday, I look at it kind of as a double-edged sword, a little bit where, yes, it's a holiday now, and a lot of people are upset that you skipped a lot of things to get to the holiday aspect of it. But true. I look at it as this is a starting point. It's a point for us to look at and say, hey, we have something to build off of. Now we no longer have the excuse of, hey, there's no mention of this anywhere. So why would someone go out of their way to learn it? And when you look at things like that, you realize that it's going to have a lot of good in it as well as long as we choose to take it that route. That's a great point that you just made about how you can't hide it anymore. Right now there's been a national acknowledgement and all of the talk of pulling it out of the history books and pulling slavery out of the history books, well, that kind of kicked it right in the ass, right? Because now it's it's a holiday. I mean, you can't run from you can't run from that. You can't run from the banks being closed, really. So you you would think so. It's kind of weird because schools are still trying to pull it out of the edu education curriculum uh, every day. Like people aren't really talking about this kind of thing anymore. It's a running joke on the internet where you can talk about June but it's illegal to teach Juneteenth in schools. And a lot of people kind of feel mixed ways about that. But that's where I say people got to kind of take it with like the sugar and the salt, you know, like, yeah, it's got, it's kind of sucks and it's bittersweet to say, hey, at least there's a holiday, but at least there's a holiday. There's something, you know, like it's, it's something to start. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. Exactly. It, it, it's, it's the, it is a big starting point. Um, I have a question for you about your childhood. What do you see as a difference, especially in the past you know, year and a half, from when you were growing up to now when it comes to racism? How do you feel? Now, you obviously grew up in Detroit, which looks very different than where you're at now here in Maine with your wife. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe think back to when you were in Atlanta and we were down there and it was a little bit more diverse. Um, how do you, where do you think we land? You know, have there really been big changes since you were a kid or you think it's, what's your opinion on that? So I have a weird outlook on that too, because growing up, it was always apparent. It's just more people didn't really talk about things like that. Like one of my earliest memories of me and my dad is we getting pulled over by the cops, everything getting thrown out of the car on the side of the road and I was probably not even six at that time. 
Wow. But, so when I look at that and then look at things now, has things really changed? Not no. really. I just feel like people are more recording things more, and uh, the news is getting harder to harder hide people. Because if you look back in the day, Rodney King beatings and everything like that has been happening for years. It's never really stopped. It's just there's been more and more recordings coming out every year as we go along. The system's always been kind of broken. It's just no one's really ever drew as much attention to it as you can. But in today's age, everyone has a cell phone. Everyone has instant access to Facebook Live or YouTube. It's so hard to hide it now. You can't really hide it when there's 20 phones pointing at you, all uploading everything anywhere, any, everywhere, whether you want it to be or not. Um, the main change I see in the world is the willingness for people to want to learn which is really nice because uh, now I have more and more people feeling comfortable coming up to me and said, hey, I don't know about this or I don't understand this aspect of your culture. I would love to know what that means. For example, I mentioned this a lot. Uh, there was a lady I worked with, really sweet woman, came up to me and was like, hey, why do you guys call you guys kings and queens all the time? Like, what is that about? Like, I don't understand what that's for. And I feel really dumb asking it, but I would love to know what that question is. And I love the question. It's like, oh, man, I can tell you this immediately. This is amazing. And I explained it to her. And she just, it was just this utter look of realization. Like, I wouldn't have never guessed that. I, I, thought, I thought it was something more to it. But I had no idea. And reasoning behind the term of everyone referring to each other as yes, queen, or oh, can get it, you know, is because the whole slavery thing broke down a lot of identities for us as a people. And over the years, we were taught that all we were were slaves. We had nothing else in regards to before that. All we've ever been were just people who picked the cotton in the fields. But then when you look into our history, you find out, you know, we were, in fact, way more than that before we got. We had religions. We were kings. We were queens. We had kingdoms. We had fields upon land everywhere. We were very well-respected people. It's just that one fraction of our history took away a lot of that. Nowadays, we're taking a step forward trying to see some of that back. Really nice. That's awesome. I, I agree as we raise our daughter, which is why, by the way, he's in the car because <laughs> our teenager she, had to take, she had to take the baby. Um, Dora, you had had, you had, had a question um, that you wanted to ask also. Let me go back to, you sent it to me earlier. And I want to make sure you got to ask his quest the question. First of all, I want to thank you for for both of you being here, um, bringing up these these and, and and saying that we are you know, I know to be able to ask questions, and I love that you're open, people asking you questions and and answering the questions and sharing with that. I mean, I, it's amazing. You, you really touched me tonight. So thank you both for, for sharing that with me. I, I'm really touched. So um, I'm going to flip the script just a little bit. Sorry. I, I have a question that's burning inside of me right now. And, and that is, if you had to go back to your younger self and give it one word of advice, what would that be? And I, I know I'm I, I just... I'm, I'm very curious. What, what would you tell yourself? We'll start with Casey since you were on first. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> wish I could. 
I had tried for so long to be the, the perfect straight daughter and um, it almost killed me. And, and that's the truth. Um, came really close a couple times to taking my own life because not living authentically and not in feeling like you're um, a slave to these things that are not you. And, and I don't use that word slave lightly but really feeling like you are stuck in a situation that is not your authentic self, that is not you, and there is no way to change and there is no way to fight your way out. Um, I would have, I would definitely tell myself, don't try. Hmm. Don't try to fit into that box. It's not you. I love that. I do too. Yeah. That's that should be a, that should be a t-shirt for all of us. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, absolutely. Devontiano? So mine's a funny one, but if you know me, you'll kind of understand it. And what it comes down to is just play Pokemon. Just play Pokemon. <laughs> and I have and I'm gonna explain it. And <laughs> it's a little bit deeper than I think you may have imagined Ooh. when you first asked the question. So as you go. As you both know, I, I grew up in the hood. It, it, I, I acknowledge it. I embrace it. I love it. It's who I am. It's a major part of it. But when you grow up in a neighborhood like that, or you go into a lot of these public school educations, and you surround by all these kids, a lot of times you feel the need to live up to other people's expectations of you. One of my first negative encounters with a teacher was in third grade. Who told me I would never amount to anything. I would be a failure. I live in my mom's basement or I will end up dead or in jail. She was very correct in some of the things she said, but you shouldn't say that to a child at that age. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my whole young life that I had to live up to this ideal of who I believed my parents, my dad was and who his friends were and the older people in our neighborhood that it took me away from doing things that I, I would have really enjoyed doing. For example, you know me, I'm a nerdy guy. I, I love I like nerdy things. I, I love I read a lot of Japanese comics. I read American comics. I read books probably 24-7. Love video games. To this day I love Pokemon. But when I was a kid, Pokemon was the last thing I was doing. And I probably should have been the first thing I was doing a lot of times. Um I, I remember getting suspended from school, not because I was like, hey, I want to get in trouble or I want to do something stupid. It was like, no, my friends are doing this. So I kind of have to go along with this too, whether I want it to. But in reality, I kind of just wanted to sit at the table with other kids and play with Pokemon cards. But instead, I was out there doing all types of stuff. So if I was to go back in time and talk to my younger self, I would just say, hey, just play Pokemon. Just play the Pokemon. It'll save you so much of a headache. It'll get you out of all the trouble. Just enjoy your card. They're worth something nowadays anyway. <laughs> that is awesome. Like that. That's that a is really awesome. good one. That is and awesome. What is one thing that you wish more people understood about the Black Lives Matter movement? Something that is that is not being comprehended by all. Ooh, I love the question. So to this one, all I have to say is people are making it way more complicated than it has to. Because in reality, Black people aren't looking for apologies. We aren't looking for people to come up to us and say, hey, I understand the movement and I'm with you. All we're looking for is people just let us live our lives. A lot of times when you see these videos of people out here doing things or getting harassed by people, 
they're doing the exact same thing me and you are doing right now, just living. They're, they're not out trying to cause harm or cause anyone any issues. They're barbecuing in the park. They're selling water on the corner of the street. They're walking their kids through the store. They're just living their life. They're not looking for pity from anyone. They just want to be able to walk down the street and have the same peace of mind as everyone else. And at the end of the day, that's it. It's like the whole movement itself is kind of blown into this thing where people are capitalizing off of it and selling all these products and making all this money off of it. Yes, they're getting away from the, the heart and root of it is that there's people in America that genuinely feel like they are the lesser fact of everything. And they've been shown that time and time again for years. And they aren't even asking to be made equal at this point. They just want to be able to walk down the street and have no one bother. Uh, and it's, it's hard to lose some of those things. Because when you think about it, we all do stuff subconsciously. That's like, hey, maybe that wasn't okay. Like, I may walk past someone's door at, when they're at a stop sign and they lock their car. Why did you lock your car? Because you felt threatened by the fact that, oh, man, there's a guy here. And I get it because I would lock my car, too, if I saw me walking down the street in the, at the middle of the night. I'm not going to lie to you. But at the end of the day, it's like it's still subconscious thing that we don't even think about. Like I've wrote I've ridden in elevators alone with women of all genders. And I can tell you of all races. I mean, and I can tell you everyone pulls their purse away when they see me in an elevator. But if you get to know me, I'm like one of the nicest people ever. But it's just that initial thought like, oh, man, what's he here for? And that's things that over time I have to teach myself that's not offensive. It's just a habit or a subconscious. But that, that's the main factors that people just want to live the life the same way as everyone else. That's it. I don't think I've ever heard it put so well, actually. Um, and I don't say that just because you're my husband and I think you're brilliant. <laughs> I, I think beautifully it, said. It's yeah. because it's the first time I've heard it explained in that we may walk down the same street but we're not having the same experience mm -hmm. the experience is so different there is a, like an underlying current of fear that always has to be in you during doing certain things that maybe i love like i love in atlanta especially to speed down 400 like i love that it makes me so happy <laughs> right totally different experience so i think that that is a huge i have goosebumps the the experience yeah, but great advice, Mr. Anderson. Very nice. Very we, we ate up all our time, and I feel like oh, I would, we could I have totally one, go one on more. more. Question, one more question. No, oh, go ahead, please. Yes. Okay, so tell us, what's it like being married to Melissa? Oh, shit. <laughs> so, she's exactly the way you think she is. She's a very strong woman. She <laughs> the type to say things first and kind of think about it second. It's not because... It's not because she doesn't want to think about her. She doesn't care. It's just a lot of times she's a very expressive person. She, when she feels a certain way, it comes out before she even realizes, that, hey, this is how I feel about something. And whether you want to take that with a grain of salt or not, you know, it, it is what it is. She's going to say it. Sometimes you may not want her to say it at all. It may not need to be said, but she's going to do it. And that's just one of those things we accept. Um, but she, she cares a lot and that's the best part. Oh, thank you. I love you. <laughs> we just had a YouTube moment together. <laughs> now we're going to go eat tacos together. <laughs> so 
Right. Casey, thank you so much for being on. Thank your family for letting us drag you away from them in the evening hours. Thank you, Devantiano, for accommodating me and being in the driveway while I'm in the house. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Thanks for being the best co-host, as always. We will see everybody next week. Um, our topic next week is... You want to talk about it? Because you've got a great guest. Oh, yes. Are you holding your breath? We all yes. need to learn how to breathe. Yes, it's going to be a good one. Ed. And it's funny because I actually need this. My husband knows this. Every once in a while, he'll hear me go. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. And I realized by being with him, I hold my breath all the time. I literally hold my breath in life. And that is so not good. We so can't yeah. wait till next week. It's going to be awesome. So thanks, everyone. I hope you have a great night. Those of you that joined us, have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next Taco Tuesday. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.